how do you expect people who are not seen as human, who are told that they're unlovable, who are told that they're going to die, who are told that their life has no worth or happy ending, how do you expect those people to love themselves and love their bodies enough to take care of it? I'm just trying to survive right. my, my brain. I'm just in survival mode. Never mind thinking about the care and love for my body. I'm just surviving. I'm trying to exist in a world that doesn't want me to exist. And then on top of that, you want me to lose weight? Has anybody, even in, even in a regular size body, how hard is it to lose weight? Put all of that shit on top of it. How does a person even breathe? let alone exist and thrive. I am Amanda Hansen, and welcome to the Women Disrupted podcast. I like to use the word disruption to describe a change that displaces or replaces the status quo. In this podcast, I hope you'll be able to disrupt your thoughts, beliefs, and maybe even your life. I believe that disruption is good even when it is hard. I will share tidbits of how myself and others have handled disruption, whether we have chosen it or the universe chose it for us. There will be debates on hot topics and stories of women who choose disruption to change their lives and the lives of others. Are you ready for a little disruption? Enjoy the ride. Hello again, everyone. In today's episode, my guest, her name is Tammy. And it was kind of the first time I had a stranger on my podcast. Um, pretty much everybody so far I knew or I've talked to them a few times and I explain a little bit further as the episode gets along. But in today, Tammy is on because we're here to talk about the body love, the self-love and the body positivity movement. And what she wants to discuss is that the body positivity movement is actually very different than the self-love movement and the self-acceptance movement because she feels that even though the body positivity movement is fantastic and get it, getting everyone to find more beauty in their bodies, it has kind of shifted away to more thin women or smaller women sharing about their bodies in you know their cellulite, their roles, um, all the things, which is all amazing. But it's actually different than what the body positivity movement originally started. It started by black women in larger bodies. And we've kind of gotten away from that. And so today she wants to discuss the unique issues that larger or fat people face that has left them in the dark yet again. She wants people to know that halting the strive for body perfection and being more body positive doesn't get rid of fat phobia, and it's still ever present in our society. We talk about reclaiming the insult, quote unquote, fat as a normal word. And we talk about diet pressure and how it can be traumatic in many people, especially at a young age. And then we also talk about the societal led dehumanization of larger folks who they've been made to believe that there's something inherently wrong with them, which there isn't. Or that if something is wrong, that it's their fault and that they are lazy, which is ignoring so many other factors that we explore in today's episode. We also go over some small forms of fuck you, you can do as a larger person 
to help destroy stigma in society against you and to alleviate the the stigma you and yourself may hold against you. So please enjoy today's episode, everyone, and let's disrupt fat phobia. So for today's episode, I have Tammy Cook on. And so I actually only ever talked to Tammy once in my life, (laughs) and it was just in preparation for this episode. And the reason why I have her on is because I was, I think I shared a post on Instagram. It was about, you know, loving our bodies the way they are. I don't remember the exact thing I was saying in it, but Tammy sent me this very well thought out from the heart message. Um, And I'm going to share just a little bit of what she sent me. And after she sent it to me and I'm like, you are 100% right. Are you interested in being on the podcast to talk about it? <laughs> and she's like, uh, maybe, I don't know. And so we had a call just to talk it out so I can explain to her, you know, what I would love for her to talk about. And she was game. Um, but I'm just going to share a little bit of her message that she sent me. So she said, I think it's important to mention that many, many women and plus size bodies, lives are affected every day in the same way, if not more than simply deciding to feel good about our bodies isn't enough. We are abused every day and denied simple things like clothing and unbiased healthcare. And we are also exposed to microaggressions every single day. I'm only mentioning this because I truly think you care about women and how they feel about their bodies but the body positive movement has been overtaken by straight sized women and they seem to always be in the spotlight talking about their struggles. Please consider having fat women share their experiences on your podcast because I do love what you're doing, but I wanna hear from people that overcome body shame while living in fat bodies. So Tammy had a fantastic suggestion. And so I was like, how about you be that person? to come on and talk about it. And she said, yes. So Tammy, thank you so much. First off, for sending me that message. And second of all, for coming on. So what, and and when you sent me that message, you're like, I've never shared, sent a message like this to anybody in my life. What was the trigger for you? Um, I think the trigger for me was that I've done a lot of, um, work in the body positivity um what do you want to call that in the body positivity movement Mm -hmm. we'll say that like personally personally yeah and i through that work it was important for me to understand where the body positivity movement started Mm -hmm. and i through researching and reading and stuff i found out that the body positivity movement actually started as a fat acceptance movement, which was about centering the discrimination that fat people uh, experience, um, how they have lack of access and equal opportunity. And then it was fast forwarded, you know, and that was in the late 60s that this thing first started, this fat fat acceptance movement. And then, you know, fast forward all these years, you know, we're like in the mid 2000s and social media happens and all these plus size influencers and stuff now have a platform to talk about this stuff on a more uh, open basis where, you know, it's more accessible for people to consume. Yeah. And 
that became a safe place for people in large bodies to share their stories, to share their bodies, you know, to post pictures of their bodies and uh, for them to be celebrated and accepted and in a community that makes them, doesn't make them feel ostracized. Yes. In a community that they belong in, that people yeah. look like them. They, yeah. they don't have to feel ashamed of who they are. Their, their bodies are celebrated. And then fast forward a few years later, and it kind of got what I like to call, like, added some warm and fuzzies to it. The politics of bodies was taken out of the body positivity movement. And it became a place where we could talk about self-love mm -hmm. and self-worth and those types of things. And by doing that and by centering it being all about, you know, self-love, we kind of left the large bodies and their issues in the dark again. And, and that totally makes sense. It's, it almost watered it down. It wa to make it more palatable for people. I, and, I, and, I, and I don't, that, that might necessarily absolutely be true. I think it also could have just been a natural byproduct mm -hmm. of it. Um, but I love the point that you made when we first talked together and you said there is a clear distinction between being like fat positive and body positive. And then there's a difference between the self-love, self-acceptance movement. Yes. And I love that you drew that distinction because I was aware of the distinction, but I didn't, it wasn't clear to me. I didn't have the words to express it because I do talk a lot about it because it is one of the biggest hurdles that I come up against with the women I work with. And, and it is something I'm passionate about. I've done my version of my work on it and I know it's possible for others, but I definitely, when I speak my, my words and my experience, it is generally not directed towards women and fat bodies because I can't speak for them. I can't speak for their experience. And so I, I believe you're 100% correct. It is two separate things. Yes. And we, we have to make sure that um, it doesn't get continued to be diluted and the focus taken away from that. Loving ourselves and our bodies and doing that work individually should be a stepping stone to the progress yeah. of body body positivity and fat acceptance. Yeah. And it's, you can love your own body and start to choose to love it more, but it doesn't mean that you still don't have fat phobia. Or that you're judging other people who have fat. <laughs> like it's, it's a, it is a, it's a different level because of the years and years of programming about fat bodies and believing it, you know, at least, what I grew up hearing is they're lazy. Mm -hmm. um, you're killing yourself. It's something you can control. You're bad. You're ugly, like all of those things. And, and it was always like, if somebody called you fat, it was it assumed that it was an insult. Absolutely. And Where, that's why like for myself, mm -hmm. I choose the descriptor of, of, of fat for myself. You know, um, that's a form of, taking back some power for myself, right? Because yeah. I don't see fat as a negative thing. It has negatively impacted my life, 
but not because of my own body. My own body has been here for me. My own body has been healthy. My own body has done everything that it was set on this earth to do. Yep, our, your, our bodies do body things. It yes, does. and it has, it's always done those things. I've been very fortunate for that. Mm-hmm. However, um, since the time I was a child, I've been told, you're killing yourself. You're dying. You'll never have any quality of life. You know, um, what's the purpose of your life? No one will love you like that. Settle for, you know, a lot of fat women end up in abusive relationships. Not that other women don't either, but we're more susceptible to that because we believe it's so ingrained in us that you get what you get. Your life has no joy. Your life has no... um, We're dehumanized, (laughs) you know? Like, and we're made to believe that we choose that. You're choosing to kill yourself. Nothing good is going to come in your life at the size that you are. And you're not going to truly live your life until you're in a thinner body. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to say that that is just simply not true. It's not true. You know, and in society, you know, we're prisoners of a society that worships thinness. Mm-hmm. We really are. Yeah. So when you're not thin, they don't want you to exist. You know, that's why there's only one plus size store in my community that I can go shop at where I have, you know, accessible clothing, one store. We're like a retail hub. We have, tons and tons of retail and only one store has accessible clothing for my body. Yeah. I was talking to a group of women about this the other day and, and there isn't even a whole lot in Canada. No, no. So you're having to usually buy from the U S which then when you convert our shitty dollar (laughs) to the U S you're making, you're paying 30% more then you're paying duties and taxes and shipping. And then sometimes they even want to charge you more because it's technically more clothes. Like there's more clothes on it. So it's like you're, you're having to pay almost double. So sometimes even more than that. Right. So it like the, there's no ease of access for you. It's, it's the, the system has been created in a way that makes so many probably aspects of your life more challenging than somebody else in a thinner body because the way society has, mm-hmm. has been, you know, set up. Yeah. And, and we're that. underrepresented, like even in, you know, marketing or sure. television, you know, anytime there is a fat character, you either have the poor, sad, fat character whose life is sad and that you know they're they can't accomplish anything and that they're just blah or the character that's like a villain and mean and all these other things like there's no fat positive things out there i mean there are but they're very few and far between yeah you know and it's almost like they don't want us to be represented because they don't want us to exist and it's hard it's hard to to go through life every day and hear that every single day. Yeah. You know, we're incredibly visible and invisible all at the same time. You know. 
So what started you on your own journey of accepting the body that you're in? Um, well, <laughs> and the size that you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, it started for me, I was in uh, competitive sports. And it was a weight, it was a sport that they weighed you before you competed. And I was definitely always the largest person there. And that I had to fight twice as hard too, because it was a weight sport that they would you had to compete with people that were similar weight to you. Okay. And because there was no one in similar weight class as me, they would uh, deduct points from my performance. So even what? though I was, yeah, so even though I was performing, you know, twice the amount that the other person was, I was. So they thought you had. Did they think you had some kind of advantage because they were smaller than you? And I so think that there's. I think that there. Yeah. Yeah. That if you're heavier that you can lift more weight or whatever but it was an it was a weight and an endurance um sport and the endurance part i really had and i worked really really hard on it and i you know outdid my competing partner (laughs) by quite a few reps and i was still deducted because i weighed so much more than them um and i just remember it was just a breaking point to me it was like even when i did you know, gold medal repetitions and um, like even when I did the work of winning a gold medal, I, I still got silver. Yeah. And it crushed me. Yeah. And I had a really excellent coach in this sport. And she said, you know, I was kind of, I was in the mindset of like, I have to change my body. You know, I'm never going to get anywhere unless I, I shed this weight and all this other stuff. And she just directed me to this um, regular size woman <laughs> that was doing uh, body positivity uh, messaging. And she had like a Facebook group and stuff like that. So I joined this group, not knowing what, what, what it was. I just thought, okay, well, I'll just join it because I trust my coach. So I did it. And that was the first time that I'd ever in my life seen a thin woman talk about um, fat women in a way that was like positive. Mm-hmm. Like you are not the problem. Your weight doesn't define your health. You know, your weight doesn't define, you know, how, how well you're doing in life or how much pleasure you're allowed to experience or all of these things. And she was saying all of these things that I had never heard anyone say. And it was like, holy shit, you know, <laughs> I, I can believe something different right? other than yeah. lose weight, lose weight, lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. Yeah. And then that kind of opened, opened a whole universe for me. Right. Like I consumed everything that I could, everything that she was talking about, every resource, every other person that I could follow that was fat positive and living in a fat body. And all. I just, I completely immersed myself in that world. And that's when I started doing my own work on where my fat phobia came from and where my shame came from. And then, you know, I went through all the, all the stages of grief for myself. You know, I went through anger. I was angry at the experiences that I had. I was angry at all the loved ones who 
said really, really mean things about my body, even though they had, there was no intention to hurt me. Fat phobia is so ingrained in everything and everyone. It's an, it's an automatic, it's a, it's an, it's an automatic and I see it and I try and call it out and shift it when I can. So I remember a friend of mine, she had posted something on Facebook saying, Oh, my son was called fat today. And why do kids have to be so mean and bully and whatever? And I just, so I responded to her and I just said, obviously the intent was an insult and nobody wants your child to be insulted. But maybe if you taught your son that fat actually isn't a bad thing and to not see it as an insult, it won't touch him. Like it won't bother him. He gets to choose what the depth, you know, that we don't have to automatically assume that fat means bad. Yeah. So it's, I try to do that just, just to shift, mm-hmm. just to start people start thinking a little bit differently about it's, it. It's hard. And then as a parent of a fat child, I can just imagine like, you know, like my own parents and stuff being put on diets at 11. It wasn't because my parents actually hated my body either, but it's so ingrained in the messaging of like, if your child or yourself is not thin, then they're unhealthy and it's all these things. And it's just this great big. And so you, you not purposely, you end up hurting the people that you love. You know, when your auntie comes over and says, Oh, you've really gained weight. Have you tried this new, whatever, whatever diet and all these other things that is traumatic. Every time that happens, that is it is traumatic. That person goes home. Do you know what I mean? Like we, we, we cry. We, you know, we, we start starving ourselves, some of us. You know, it, it's, well, it's, usually most diets cause disordered eating. It really is yeah. distorted. <laughs> it is. Eating. It yeah. absolutely is. And then, you know, our friends, our friends, no matter, they don't even think about it. They don't even think about posting a before and after picture of their weight loss that is incredibly hurtful because I know that those friends of mine are measuring their success in life by not looking like me. Yeah. And they're celebrating not looking like me. Yeah. And I love that you pointed that out because I can't stand them. I can't stand them because I, I understand like, they don't know what they're doing. No. But I see what they're doing and it, it makes me sad. And it's something I, I never, I never, ever, ever, well, I stop complimenting people on their bodies. I no longer comment on their bodies. I don't compliment them on how they look. Um, I do definitely don't celebrate when they're on a diet. I don't celebrate when they lost weight, even though like if you, if, if you want to lose weight and you're happy, but I'm not saying don't be happy about it, but I'm not going to celebrate or idolize that. And yes, for the people who do post those before and after pictures, understand that you, you're hundred percent right. It is a celebration um, of not looking like a certain way and mm-hmm. how hurtful that can be. It absolutely is. And then, you know, you have the medical side where people are dying. 
people that you know in fat bodies, people that you love, your mama, your grandmother, you know, your favorite friend, we are dying because for one, we either delay medical care. We delay it because we know the minute we walk in there, before a diagnosis is even done, we're going to be looked at as you're doing this to yourself. How, why should I help you? Or they won't investigate a symptom further because they're going to automatically assume that your weight is, is a factor in it. Yes, 100%. You know, and then all of those things, all of those little tiny everyday things that I guarantee you every single person in a large body has dealt with every day, multiple times a day, that all adds up. And then you, you're left with this diluted version of yourself with all of these labels and all of these messages that, you know, you no longer experience joy or pleasure or fun or creativity. Your whole life is consumed by trying to get thinner, by, you know, trying to be accepted, trying to be loved. You know, you, you, you actually truly believe that you're unlovable as you are. Yeah, so and all your energy is being focused on that instead of the amazing things and the amazing person you are. Yes, yes. You know, when I was in the depth of it all, you know, I missed out on a lot of my life. You know, I know that I had three babies and, you know, I loved watching them grow up and stuff, but I didn't go out and do a lot of things out of the shame that people just saw a fat mom that was going to, you know, probably pass that on to her kids or, you know, being a, my size has even affected my experiences as a mom. You know, um, I remember when my son was born, I was just 23 years old and he started to cry and I, and I was laying in the hospital and I woke up and I was like, <gasps> And I remember my breast being like sore and leaking and I just, the instinct in me was to pick him up. And I just remember wanting so badly to just pick him up and breastfeed him. And I just had this moment of panic of like, how can I possibly breastfeed this child and have anything that comes from my body go into his little perfect body? Because I truly believed that nothing good could ever come from me that everything about me, everything in me was tainted and wrong and disgusting and unhealthy. And I remember leaving that hospital bed. My mother was with me and she got up and she fed him his little formula. And I went to the utility closet. They had like this closet with supplies of like diapers and extra bottles and stuff. And I sobbed, I was crying just so uncontrollably. And this nurse came in and she was like, oh, you must be on day three after you have a baby. Everyone is emotional on day three. And I just said nothing. I was like, oh, yeah. And I wiped my tears and I went back. And I never shared that story with anyone until I shared it with my husband two years ago. You know. Um, and so I'm sure when you, when you see a thin woman complaining about her cellulite. Yeah. You might want to bitch slap her a bit. Uh, I, I also feel, I also, um, no, I feel, no. I don't, I feel sadness. Yeah. I feel sad. I guess, I guess I just trickled so far into every woman that a woman with cellulite 
can't even see beyond that to no. how much privilege and good things they have in their life. Yeah, and, and I, I do believe that shame doesn't discriminate. It doesn't. I think, I think it's spread out there all in all areas directed towards women. Um, I guess the reason why I made that comment is just to help those, just to give perspective. Yes. Perspective that you might be feeling shame about something about your body, but have you actually experienced and have been brought up and gotten to the point where you wouldn't want to breastfeed your child because everything you thought came, came out of you was bad. Like that's, that's, um, that's a different level. It's a different level. It's it is a different level. It consumes everything about you. Yeah. You know, I can't put on clothes and that hide my fatness. I can't put on clothes and go to a doctor's office and be treated differently. You know, I can't put on clothes or Spanx or whatever and not be shouted at from cars, being called a cow or being mooed at or, you know, having things thrown at you, those types of things, you know, real things yeah. that, I mean, I can't even walk across a group of people. Like if people are in a group, you know, on the side of the street or something and they're talking or construction workers or anything like that without immediately feeling panic of what's going to be said about me, what's going to be said to me, you know, um, it's, it's a real fear. It's a real anxiety provoking, life changing fear all the time. Of this. So what do you think as a society mm -hmm. we can do to start shifting? So how do we get rid of the fat phobia? And first, like, why don't you define, cause some people, this, this is going to be new information to them. Um, like for you, what is, what is your definition of fat phobia? Well, really fat phobia at the end of it is the fear of being fat or the fear of fatness mm -hmm. or the, um, I'm gaining weight, just any kind yeah, of weight. Anything, anything like that. The fear of being fat or yeah, becoming fat, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably not the best one to. No, I, I think that's, that's, I think that's clear. Yeah. Like that's my, <laughs> that's my take on it. When I think mm -hmm. of that is that when I hear people talking about their cellulite or talking about their body, like they don't like their body, it's because that comes from a place of fearing of being actually fat, of okay. actually being in a body that's not exciting, right. yeah. of actually going outside and having people yell at you, or actually having someone on the internet say something really awful about your body. Yeah. And, and you have that phobia if you have the belief that fat is bad. Yes. So. As a thin ally. Yeah. So, and so what, we, what fat people need from thin people is we, for one, Stop talking about bodies, really. Unless you're talking about their function, like, hey, you know, I pooped today, yay. But stop talking about weight. Stop talking about, um, you know, stop making comments on weight loss. That's a big thing, too. Stop centering thinness as the end-all, be-all. Um, as, you know, as girlfriends, like friends, when you go out to dinner, really look at the restaurant that you're bringing your fat friends to. What's the seating like? 
are they these are they these little dainty chairs with with little you know if you're uncomfortable in them chances are your larger bodied friends are going to be in pain the entire time you're sitting there trying to physically make themselves smaller by squeezing in their thighs and squeezing in their shoulders you can see it you can see the body language it's i i love that because what that reminds me of is with the whole, um, you know, the anti-racism, the Black Lives Matter movement, I know that in my generation, we were taught that you're not a racist if you don't see color. Like, as long as you don't see color, you're good. But <laughs> yeah, that's just to make you comfortable. Right? Like, oh, I've learned. I, I, I learned that's just a form of like white supremacy. And I, under, I understand that now, but I honestly thought that that was it because it was like, well, I don't see color. We're all equal. No. The thing is, we're not. We're not all equal. They're not treated equal. And we do have to recognize the color. And we do have to recognize what their lives are like. And I see it almost the same thing is where if, you know, if your friend is, has a fat body and obviously you love the person for them, not based on their size, but you also need to be aware of their experience. And Absolutely. Ignore, well, I love you. And and just pretend like it's not an issue. You have to actually like, cause you're, you're, you're afraid of offending your friend, mm -hmm. you know, like, Oh, I want to go to this restaurant, but we can't because the chairs won't be comfortable for you. No. And it, it could make your friend feel uncomfortable for like saying that. Cause they think they might cause you to feel shame, but I'm sure your perspective is like, thank you. Thank you for thinking of me. Thank you of taking my experience into consideration. Yeah. And like, don't just do it when your fat friends are around. You know, if you go to a restaurant and you see that the, all of their chairs are problematic, it's okay to say, you know, do you guys offer different seating for people that these chairs don't accommodate? Or, you know, if you're a corporate office and you're having some kind of big meeting at say, a tiny theater, like we have one in here and in town where I live and the seats have been the same seats, I'm sure since like the 1900s and you know, big companies have their work things there and a lot of people can't even comfortably sit in those chairs without being in excruciating pain. Yeah. Um, uh, another thing you guys can do is start holding brands accountable. You know, all these brands that are spouting like body acceptance and they're using imagery and stuff that make them seem progressive. And then you look at their sizing and it goes to a double XL you are not inclusive. Hold them accountable. Start saying, where are your larger sizes? I, I love that because I, I, um, I have, I have a, a membership with a bunch of um, students and ladies and we have like monthly calls. And uh, this was a topic of ours um, on the weekend where um, I'm looking to start sourcing more, you know, ethically made sustainable brands, but not just that, that also have inclusive sizing. And I, I, you know, zero. yeah, there, there isn't a whole lot. It, there's few and far between, but that is what I'm going to try to start sharing more and, um, promoting more because those are the, like we, you know, if we want change, it's, it's where we put our money. Right. Absolutely. Um, so obviously I'm not going to have tons of choices for them, but I am going to start doing research and bringing more awareness to that. Cause I, I want to support more brands that are inclusive. However, I also realize that 
some businesses, it might, they might not be able to run a business having all sizes for, for, mm-hmm. you know, cause like we have tall women, we have petite women, we have plus like, I think it might not be sustainable for all businesses to actually be able to provide that. But at least if we had more brands that just focused on petite women, right? Like that's my specialty mm-hmm. is petite women or tall women. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know like some of those businesses are going out of business, at least in Canada, because we just, we don't have the population to sustain, to sustain it. So anyways, the, I, we don't, we didn't come up with any answers, but it was just, it was a discussion. And I think it's an ongoing discussion that has to be talked about openly. And then you have the businesses like, let's say Victoria's Secret, who had the capability mm. and the funds and the to. factories and all of these yeah. things to be more inclusive. And they couldn't do it. Yeah. So much so that now they've folded. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's very few people that really actually can sustain a big cor- like a big production like that in very limited sizing. Yeah. You know, um, another thing that um, thinner people can do if you really want to help and be an ally is call it out when people say mean things. When even if it's your family or friend, it's going to be uncomfortable. Even the things I'm saying today to you and whatever, it's an uncomfortable topic. Nobody likes to talk about it. Nobody wants to acknowledge that, you know, behind the disguise of, oh, I'm just concerned about your health, deep down is, I'm just disgusted by you. When people make comments about people's weight, or if they say like, you know, if they can, if they, if they're, even if they're talking about someone who's not a very kind person and they bring up their weight, call it out right then and there, you know, because yeah, your fat friend hears that too. You know, and, and what we associate with bad and disgusting and all that with being, with being fat. Mm-hmm. And it's just not true. <laughs> You know, be, become an ally, ask, you know, ask if there's a loved one that you have, that you have a good relationship. I mean, obviously don't go, don't be walking around <laughs> telling everyone like, Hey, I'm going to get Can you I a bigger chair you? and I'm going to like, you know, don't go all crazy about it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> read the room, but you know, um, if there's someone that you love that isn't a larger body, accompany them to the doctor's office. If it's something that they wish, obviously, and mm-hmm. advocate for them. You know, I went in for problems with my periods and the doctor just looked at me and within two seconds, he was um, prescribing some kind of injectable weight loss drug. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, okay, I was thinking more of an ultrasound or something, but uh, okay, I guess this is where we're at. You know, if I would have had someone in the room with me to say, uh, we're not here about her weight, you know, let's get back on topic. I think that's helpful for actually everybody Mm -hmm. because we haven't been taught how to be our own advocate when it comes to the healthcare system. And I am. And that's something that I've done through all of this work. There's tons of things that I do now to that. I actually see as forms of protest. I mean, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel empowered. And one of them is refusing to be weighed at the doctor's. I will flat out say, does this have any impact on what we're doing today? No. 
like, are you, are you putting me under anesthetic and you need to know how much I weigh to know how much medicine? No, well then we're not here for my weight. My weight has no bearing on what's going on here today. I flat out refuse to get weight. Um, another thing is sharing these stories, you know, sharing your shame stories, tell people what it's like, you know, especially with your loved ones, because sometimes they don't even know. We're, we're so ashamed of it and so ashamed to talk about it, our, our experiences, that it's not, it's just not talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, we hear people talk about other experiences and stuff, but when it comes to the experiences of people in fat bodies, they're so ashamed that it's so taboo, I guess you want to call it or whatever, that nobody talks about it. And I saw a quote the other day and I was like, yes. It says, shame dies when stories are told in safe places. Mm. Get those stories out there. Start speaking up and saying, hey, this is happening. You know, hey, dad, when you make that comment, that's uncomfortable for me. Do you know that last Sunday at dinner when you said this to me, I went home and I cried and I, it affected me this and this is where my thought process went and this is how it made me feel. Start making other people uncomfortable yeah. So you, yeah. 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 Tell them what you just said makes me feel unsafe. Yes. And I will say that as a fat woman, the weight of the shame that I've carried about my life and about who I am and what I look like and everything about me was far heavier than any weight that was on my body. Yeah. And not necessarily. Far, it, it was more detrimental to my health. Yeah than the fat on my body was. That's, that's huge. Absolutely. You know, to carry that around, it's way more harmful than my BMI. So you mentioned it, you just mentioned it, and not that long ago about acts of being a rebel. Yes. How, and I know that's really important to you. (laughs) (laughs) So can you, can you share any, any ways that you see yourself as like a form of activism or being a rebel or protest? And I think this is going to look different for every single person. Absolutely. Right? Um, I just, I started doing the things that I knew, the things that I felt the most shame about was things that I started to do. Um, one of them was wearing shorts. I have gone my entire life. I'm 37 years old. This is the first summer that I have a pair of shorts on. And I know that that pisses people off. Not all people, but some people don't want to see someone like me in a pair of shorts in summer. We should be hidden. We should be all these things. And so to me, that feels like, am I allowed to swear on this? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So to me, that feels like... (laughs) A big fuck you Absolutely. when I go out and all and I'm all jiggling and I'm all hanging out. People don't want to see it. I'm like that would just make me. I'm a rebel too. Right? I am like that is one of my core value, values is being yeah. a rebel. And I would just be like, you have a problem with this, and I'm just like shake it in their face more. <laughs> yes, even though I'm scared to death, mm-hmm. and I'm like I have to coach myself through those moments constantly. I do it. And then the more I do it, it's like, okay, nothing bad happened. Mm -hmm. You know, 
stories that I've been telling myself that, you know, someone's going to yell something or someone's going, it's going to affect my day. I'm going to put on this pair of shorts and something really bad's going to happen. Nothing bad happened. And then that just kept happening and happening. Maybe it was happening behind my back, but that's, I mean, I can't do anything about that. No. But damn it, I was cool in my shorts. Um, riding my bike. I hadn't ridden my bike since I was a child. And that was something that brought me an immense amount of joy. And I went out and bought a bike. And I didn't buy just, you know, regular old bike. I had to buy the brightest, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> most visible bike. And I know when I'm out, I'm incredibly visible. And that feels like an act of protesting. It's like, no, you're going to see me. You're going to see all of me. And you're going to see me living and thriving and experiencing joy in this body. Yeah, and, and I love that you brought that up because the women who let the shame take over and let it have the power over them, um, they usually choose to hide and to fade into the background or to dress in all black or you know, all those things so that people just don't notice them. But I believe what they're doing is perpetuating it. Absolutely. And, and I'm not like, I'm not trying to say that doing the opposite is easy. I know that's not easy. It's hard. It's the hardest thing I've done in my life. Yeah. It's not easy. But if anything wants to move you to action, be like, you know what? I don't want to perpetuate this anymore. And I want to be part of the solution. I want to be the type of woman that no longer lets other people determine how I dress, what kind of bike I ride how invisible I am. Mm-hmm. And if you want to create a safe place for everyone, then you need to be part of the solution. And so I believe one of the biggest ways to be a solution is just to be unapologetically yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, yeah, just doing things like getting a big hamburger and going to sit mm-hmm. on the beach in a two piece and eat it right on the beach in front of people in my two piece. And I know that, there's people walking by that absolutely hate me for existing. But I, I think about the person who walks by me and says, huh, good for her. You know, I wish I could do that or whatever, yep. you know, because you can, you can, it's not easy, but it's possible. And it's, you deserve it. You know, we all do that. We only have this life. That's it. And Fuck society for saying, you know, you don't deserve to live it until you fit in this spot yeah. or whatever. And really, I mean, it's more of a North American thing. Big bodies are celebrated in other parts of the world and just, we're just so, um, thinness is just so ingrained here that. Yeah, it's been idolized. Yeah. And it's not to say that moving your body is bad. No. No. And, and, and sometimes I think that's the all or nothing thinking is people are like, yes. you know, if, if we try and to stop idolizing fitness, then that means you don't like fitness and that you're saying it's bad. No, that's, let's just stop idolizing it and celebrating it and saying it's the end all to be all because it's, it's not, fitness isn't everything. No, and neither is health and i know that we've been we've and that's probably going to strike a nerve of some people because we've been made to believe that health is the the end all that it's what we all want we idolize health 
We idolize being in, you know, able bodies. We, I, we idolize being in thin bodies and being healthy and all this, but you can ask anyone who's been ill or has had an accident or anything like that. You don't always get to choose. And your life doesn't stop when something- You have cancer. When you have cancer or when you, you know, you suddenly become disabled or, you know, all these things. Your life does not stop. There is still joy there. There is still pleasure there. And you are worthy of that. That's, um, that was amazing. I was, on a, I was in a program with my husband. It was a Tony Robbins thing. And, you know, one of the things he teaches is, yeah, health is the most important. You got to take care of your body because your body's the vehicle for everything. And it's all about how to be at peak state and doing all these things and eating and moving it all in these peak states. And, and yes, like I do want to take care of my vessel. Mm -hmm. I care about my vessel, mm -hmm. but I can still feel joy and not being at peak state. <laughs> I can still find absolute fulfillment and happiness and not be in the best shape of my life. Yeah. And I, and I love that you put it cause I, I had an issue with it, but I couldn't really put my finger on why, because I was like, well, how can I argue against that? Like, how can I argue that? Yeah. Like I do think like it is like, I want to be healthy, but the thing is, I love what you said is like, we don't always have the choice. There's people out there who can't move their bodies. They can't do it doesn't mean that they can have a less quality of life and joy and fulfillment because their health um, is not the best health. And there's also people who move their bodies and eat really nutritionally and still are ill, are still fat, are still all of these things. So to make it seem like an actual choice, mm -hmm. it's just something that makes people feel good that they can control something. Yeah, but, no, I agree. And that's, it's something that I have often said when people try to make that argument with me. I was like, I know women who, have, who are 50 pounds heavier than I am can outrun me. They can out like deadlift me. I can't, I can't, I can barely lift anything. I'm not, I have no upper body strength, but it's like, I, they are more fit than I am. And it's just, our bodies are completely constructed. Our bone structure, our genetics, everything about us is, is different. But their experiences and their, the way they're treated is far different. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they're going to be health policed. Mm -hmm. now, no one's going to look at you and say, oh, you know, have you, you know, you should be eating this, you should be eating that, or you, you know, it's all about your health. Well, actually I have. I'm sure you have. Most women have. <laughs> I, I actually, I have, but it wasn't about um, losing weight. It was about gaining weight. Okay. See, that's just as harmful. Stop. Oh yeah. And I've, I, I, I've had people do it, be like, and I really think you need to be eating more or you're, you're too thin. And I, or they'll call me like spaghetti arms or they'll call me skinny bitch. Mm -hmm. And again, like I, it's really hard to offend me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, but I will call them out and I'll just be like, my body is not up for discussion mm -hmm. and you have what I eat and put in my body is none of your effing business. <laughs> like, and, and I had to do it in front of my daughter because I don't want her to think that that is okay. That somebody was, is to comment. And to that point, I think the difference is just, just because we are on the difference between, you know, thinness and saying those things and being in a larger body and saying those things, 
people will probably back down from you. They'll probably respect that or they'll be like, no, you're right. Oh, no. Whereas someone in a larger body doing the exact same thing is going to be judged, just treated far differently. Just like, no, I agree. You know, it's just like when, if we're talking again about the body positivity, posting pictures of like, you know, your stretch marks and your cellulite, the comments on those pictures are going to be far different than if I do it. And is it okay if I actually just read a quick thing? Yeah, go ahead. What a comment. There was a girl um, who put a picture up of herself in one of the things that I follow in one of the groups that I follow. And it was, she has her arm over her breast and she has a bouquet of flower over her like pelvic area. So you couldn't see anything. She's got a large belly with stretch marks. And I just took three of the comments to kind of put context to what I'm talking about and the difference. And these were some of the comments that were on this lady's picture. Stop this obese positive thing. It is so unhealthy. Maybe we can get over this trend when you all die. It will happen soon. So no worries. Oh my God. Second comment. Pretty sure you're promoting an unhealthy lifestyle, which is one of the biggest killers of the current era. Obesity isn't natural. It is an illness which slowly kills the person, making their life an everlasting hell before it stops their heart. You should think twice before promoting this kind of stuff. And this one, this one really got me because I relate a lot to it. Um, Bless your heart. I don't care what you do or eat, but you don't look sane, happy, healthy, or even properly groomed or clean. I can't see how you're an inspiration for anyone mentally healthy, but I'm pretty sure you aren't. Hope you seek help soon. You were so pretty a few years ago. I can't imagine looking like that then and now this and not being utterly devastated. Do you not have family that care about you? This is so sad. And those are just three comments. Makes me want to throw up it doesn't for me because that's just another it's not shocking to me it's relatable it's I've maybe not heard it in those exact words because I'm not that exact person that put up that image but I've heard all of these things in different ways um even just I commented on something on social media just saying how you know stop using the word obese it's it's not a nice word we don't that's not how we refer to fat people anymore and someone wrote, of course you think that. Look at you. And they put a whale emoji. Oh, my God. You know? That, that, and that's me sitting in front of you telling you I experienced that. And that's just by me speaking up about one thing. Just saying, hey, that word is hurtful. You know? So it's those things. These are major, major things that we need allies for. We need people to, to speak up in those forums and to speak up in, in their lives and to talk to their loved ones who are in larger bodies. Apologize if you've said things. If you've ever, even on the basis of health and worry, said, you know, you should really lose, I'm just worried about your health. If you've ever fucking said that to somebody in a larger body, go apologize. <laughs> and remind them that, you know, they are lovable and they are worthy and they're, they're fine just the way they are. You know, because... I, how do you expect people 
who are not seen as human, who are told that they're unlovable, who are told that they're going to die, who are told that their life has no worth or happy ending. How do you expect those people to love themselves and love their bodies enough to take care of it? I'm just trying to survive right. my, my brain. I'm just in survival mode. Never mind thinking about the care and love for my body. I'm just surviving. I'm trying to exist in a world that doesn't want me to exist. And then on top of that, you want me to lose weight? Has anybody, even in, even in a regular size body, how hard is it to lose weight? Put all of that shit on top of it. How does a person even breathe? Let alone exist and thrive. You know? So, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. very well put. You know. So yes, by me finding my joy and my pleasure and putting myself out there, that's why it's a form of protest. Mm. It's because you think I'm waiting to die. You think I'm sitting at home unloved, um, uncared for, waiting to die this miserable life. Well, I'm not. I'm out being an awesome mom. I'm out, you know, making love to the man that loves me and that I love. I'm wearing clothes that I feel comfortable in when I have access accessibility to them. You know, I am living my life. I am not dying. I am not sitting in a corner dying. I'm living. And that contradicts everything that they want you to believe. They want you to believe that we're all sitting there, fat, sad, unkept, unmotivated, unhealthy. And I'm not any of those things. And neither are a lot, most fat people. We're not those things. None of us are. Yeah. None of us are. And yeah, that's my mission. My mission is to um, help others that live the same experiences as me overcome that, navigate it. I want to be that safe place where those stories can be shared. And well, isn't that a declaration of what you're going to be doing in the next phase of your life? <laughs> Here's hoping. <laughs> being a loud mouth and being like, hey, <laughs> you can't treat anybody like this anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, I am so actually like, we don't know if you're going to do it. But I know that's something you and I talked about. Like you, you do want to step into this role. You don't know what it looks like yet. And you don't have to know what that is going to look like. Just start taking a step because I think you will help so many. I hope so. I hope so. I think oh, I know. So I just, I hope someone out there somewhere hears me and say, Hey, you know what? I'm ready to experience joy. I'm ready to experience pleasure. I'm ready to live my life in this body. And I'm ready to stand up for myself and the others and to break, just shatter that stereotype of like, you're just waiting to die because that's what society tells you. So no, we're not, we're living, we're ready to live. Well, thank you 
for sharing your story, your insight, your passion, and your inner rebel. <laughs> so thank you so much for that today, Tammy. I know so many are going to benefit from hearing your words. And I think that my, um, if this does go anywhere, I think my, um, what do you want to call it? Brand or whatever. I think I'm just going to be called joyfully fat. Oh, I love it. Because that's what it's going to be. Okay. Being joyfully fat. You need, you need to go buy that domain right now. I did. I already oh, bought it. Yes. Okay, good. Because I was like, I don't want to air this episode and you haven't bought it. I did the Instagram. I did the domain names. Like, I'm on it. But it was, I didn't, and I only did that right after our last talk. Because, oh, really? Yes. Because I never imagined in my wildest dream that someone would actually want to listen to this because it's a very uncomfortable topic. And I'm, I just, I had the imposter syndrome, right? Of like, does anybody actually want to hear this? Well, you know what? And I explained to you my purpose in my podcast, and it is to have the uncomfortable conversations because that is where growth and progression will happen. So thank you, Tammy. I want to thank you for listening to the Women Disrupted podcast. Make sure you check out the show notes for any additional information or links about today's episode or guest. If you enjoyed today's episode, then hit the subscribe button and make sure you get all the latest episodes. Also, if you feel that anyone could benefit from this episode, then please share it or give it a review. The Women Disrupted podcast is sponsored by Simply Stylish Inc. and produced by James Higgins Productions. Stay disrupted, ladies.